Well, today, even though Scott is gone, I'm going to be continuing our sermon series in Mark. Last week, we saw Jesus' ministry start to turn some heads. Rather than embracing this new concept of teaching, people instead accuse him of being demon-possessed and performing the works of Satan, even his own family. But that doesn't stop Jesus or his style of preaching. This morning, we dive into the parable of the sower. Spring is, is around the corner, as you can tell. It's been nice the past couple days here. And with that, new life begins. Seeds are being planted and sprouts will beginning to appear. Perhaps there's no better time to open up this parable than now. This reading comes from the book of Mark, chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. This is the word of God. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying thirty, some sixty, some a hundred times. Then Jesus said, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Father, soften our hearts this morning so that we may be receptive of your word. Dig deep into our hearts and show us our sin. Comfort us with your grace and mercy as we come to realize how sinful we really are. We thank you for your love and care as we continue to have our hearts be transformed and renewed. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Amen. I don't necessarily care for the title this parable is given. I, I think this parable of the sower is perhaps better understood as a parable that has more emphasis on the soil and not so much about the sower. We see four types of soil in this parable. Hard-packed soil, rocky soil, thorny soil, and then finally good soil. Recognize that the soil is the subject of this parable and not the sower. This is not to say that the sower is irrelevant. He is quite the opposite. 
but I will explain later in the sermon. Mark tells us that a very large crowd had gathered to listen to Jesus speak. So one might expect that Jesus would try to clear his name to this large group. He had just been been accused of being crazy and demon-possessed. He would try to convince them that he is the Messiah, the Son of God, and not some madman spreading lies across the countryside. What we see here, though, is not the case. Just imagine what these people were thinking to themselves. Some traveled a very long distance, some maybe hoping that they could finally discover who this strange teacher is and what, is, what he is proclaiming. Rather, Jesus tells them basic things that would be considered common sense for that time. Obviously, you need good soil for a seed to spring up and produce a crop. Obviously, a seed is not going to grow on rocky ground. They all knew this already. What they didn't know is that Jesus just told them life-saving gospel news. The parable of the sower is often referred to as the master parable of the parables of Jesus. We will get into this why later. This parable is the first of four known as the parables of the kingdom. It is classified as a parable of the kingdom because it gives an insight into the way the kingdom of God operates and it gives us very important instructions on how to obtain the kingdom of God. What's tricky is that even though this parable comes across as simple, it's very complex. So complex that one commentator said this parable causes the light bulbs in your head to go off, not on. To help understand better, Jesus even gives us an explanation to this parable. The explanation is, is actually given after he has spoken all four parables of the kingdom. Mark gives us this very helpful dialogue between Jesus and the disciples right before the other three, simply so that we can then better understand the meaning of this parable and the remaining. But the explanation given by Jesus rather muddies the water than clears it up. This is a trademark move by Jesus. Jesus tells us the reason for this in verse 12. He spoke in parables so that people on the outside may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. This is actually a quote from the book of Isaiah. If you look at Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 through 10, you will see this very similar language spoken about the people that Isaiah has been preaching to. You can see, be ever hearing but never understanding, be ever seeing but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people callous, make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. These people's hearts in Isaiah have become very hardened and calloused. And because of that, the only truth that will give them life will be never understood or accepted. So what we are seeing here is that we have no ability to understand or accept the messages that Jesus gives in his parables if we first you know, get removed from our sin. This is why this parable is so crucial to us. It holds up a mirror so that we can see how sinful our hearts really are. Jesus speaks this parable not so that we may never understand, but so that we may clearly see the condition of our hearts. The catch is we can never see it on our own. Upon reading this parable and allowing myself to reflect on it, three topics came to mind. The first topic is this. The seed requires good soil to produce a plentiful harvest. This was an obvious statement when Jesus told this to a group of people very familiar with the basics of farming, and it's still a very obvious statement as I say it to a group of people with the same familiarities. 
However, just as Jesus cautioned his listeners about dismissing this point as purely agricultural, I ask you to avoid the same temptation. To better understand this first point of the parable, I did some research on how a seed goes from being a small, almost microscopic particle to a large plant that produces a crop. Hopefully this doesn't bore you to sleep, but understanding this process is critical to grasp the nature of the parable of the sower. I even, can I get that picture up? I even got a little picture to help. The first step is simple. Plant your seed. If you're a modern-day farmer, you might use an air seeder or a drill to plant your seed. Ancient farmers did not have this technology or the resources to use it. An ancient farmer would spread his seed by hand and usually come by with a plow pulled by oxen to cover the seed. If he failed to act fast, the wind and the birds would carry these little seeds away, leaving a field with no harvest. The seed's only hope of survival was to get it buried as quickly as possible. Once the seed is in the ground, a reaction starts to take place. The seed requires water to grow. If it does not receive adequate moisture, it will remain in a dormant stage and never grow. Once the water reaches the seed, a process called imbibition begins and the seed starts to swell. It swells so much that a root starts to break out from the seedling. You can see it in number two there. The seed's nutrients are limited, so the root must act fast in order for the seed to survive. The root travels deeper into the soil in search of valuable nutrients. Hopefully the root finds necessary nutrients in the soil to provide the seedling with. If not, the seed will die. At the same time as the root is traveling down, a shoot begins to travel up, number three, towards the surface of the soil. Once the shoot reaches the surface and emerges, the plant leaves start to convert sunlight into nutrients through what is called photosynthesis. With the right amount of sunlight and water, the shoot will grow into a plant and produce a harvest. Now we turn our attention back to this parable. Jesus tells us in verses 4 through 8 what kind of soil this farmer was sowing seed into. This farmer seems pretty careless with his seed. The seed he is sowing is landing everywhere, even on the path outside of the field. And there seems to be no apparent system to the way he is scattering the seed. The farmer doesn't seem to have any rows lined out or precision on, on where the seed lands. He's just scattering it everywhere, even on terrible soil. Verse 4 tells us that some seed fell along the hard soil of the path that ran along the field, the path that was hardened by many travelers walking by. The seed was sown beyond the boundaries of the field onto the path and therefore was never buried when the field was plowed. Verse 5 is about seed that fell on rocky ground. Though it appeared as good soil on the surface, as the seed began to take root, it hit a rocky barrier and could no longer supply nutrients to the plant. Henceforth, why the plant withers away in the scorching sun. Verse 9 gives us the seed that fell among thorns and weeds. Due to the lack of care to destroy the weeds by the farmer, or simply from the overbearing nature of the weeds, the seed is robbed of its nutrients and therefore dies. And finally, in verse 8, we discover the seed that fell along good soil. The seed that was plowed under, had moisture, found the nutrients, sprang up, and produced a phenomenal crop. To put this into perspective, drought was very common throughout this region. 
So to just have a crop left at all at the end of the season was considered a blessing, much less a crop that produced 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. This parable doesn't stop here, though. Jesus goes into greater detail in the deeper meaning of the soils. Up until this point, the parable is being told in a farming point of view. In verses 10 through 12, Jesus lays out the spiritual meaning of this parable. Keep in mind, like I already stated, this chain of events is not in chronological order. Jesus told the meaning of the the parables after he spoke all four. Mark just includes this here so we can better understand the parables and the soils that were referred to in the first parable. It's important to note that Jesus was asked about all of the four parables of the kingdom. However, he only explains this parable and deems the understanding of this parable necessary for understanding any other parable. Are you starting to see the importance of this parable? Perhaps why it's referred to as the master parable? This parable holds the key to see and hear any of the other parables Jesus spoke. I wish I would have known the importance of understanding and grasping this parable before I agreed to preach on it. I think I would have picked something different. Jesus uses or tells us that the seed is the word of God. This information is the clue that is needed to understand this parable. Jesus says the word of God is sown into different types of soil. The types of soil are the different conditions of the human heart. Notice every condition of the human heart is accounted for in the types of soil. The first condition is a hard heart. When the word is sown on a hard heart, it has nowhere to go. It's that hard-packed path that the people were walking on. It can't take root because it has no soil. Instead, the birds, which Jesus informs us is Satan, comes and snatches it up, gone without producing a harvest to be reaped. Is this, is this your heart? Has, has the word of God been sown on your heart but has never sprouted because of years of denial, anger, hatred, judgment, or self-righteousness that left it hard and calloused? That when you hear the word, it's, it's left for Satan to snatch up instead of taking root? When you look at these words, do they speak to you? Or are they left on the surface to be gone in a short while? The second condition is shallow soil. This soil allows the word to take root. However, it quickly dies in us when we face heat. Maybe this is you or perhaps someone you know. We continue to take in the word every Sunday or occasionally through a verse or a prayer, but that's where we stop. We feel the initial joy of gospel hope, but then that's it. The minute we step out those church doors, we forget what we just heard until the next Sunday. We have rocks in our hearts that have not been plowed up. We don't allow the surfaces of our hearts to be dug deeper into. We don't engage ourselves in the word. We don't ask the tough questions. We don't desire more. Then when persecution comes from our friends or coworkers because of it, we give it up and it dies. Let me be clear, church. The time is coming when we will be persecuted for our faith at a much larger level than we are now. We will be cast out from our friends and maybe even family. It's not an if it will happen, it's when. The question is, will you have rocks in your heart causing you to wither away? Or will you allow your heart to be dug into and turned over, disposing of all the rocks, leaving good soil for strong roots? 
The third soil type is one that is littered with weeds. Weeds are given the adjective nauseous for a reason. They are very serious and harmful to your crop. If not controlled, they will absolutely, without a doubt, rob your seed and crop of its nutrients. My job at Helena is fully funded by farmers who pay for chemicals to kill these thieving weeds. Weeds are destructive to your crops and they are destructive to your lives. Examine your life this morning. What is stealing you of time that could be spent in the word? Your TV? Facebook on your phone? Where is your hope found? In your bank account or the gospel? Have the worries of this world, the worries of your job, have they consumed you? Weeds are idols. They take your worship and use it to grow, to starve out the word of God. Hear me when I say this. Weeds will kill crops and idols will kill you. The fourth and final soil type is the good soil. This is the soil that has all the nutrients already in it. It possesses the moisture for the seed to take root. It is free from rocks and allows the roots to travel, securing the plant when the blistering heat comes. It has been exterminated from nauseous weeds so that nothing can rob its life. It is the soil that produces a harvest 30, 60, or 100 times what is sown. The seed requires good soil to produce a plentiful harvest is the first topic. The second topic is that the soil has no idea what kind of soil it is without the seed. In other words, the soil doesn't know what kind of soil it is until the seed is introduced to it. It has no capacity to see its own inadequacy until the seed shows it. The seed is the constant and the soil is the variable. The seed is never changing. It possesses the same life in every soil type. The only difference is the soil in which it has been planted. I want to make something clear here. We must never look at others and judge them because we don't see a harvest. First off, it's, it's not our place to make that call. God decides if the harvest is there or not. And secondly, we must never get discouraged when we don't see the harvest in our own lives. Again, God is in control of that. We allow our lives to be transformed by the work of the gospel and let God produce in us a harvest in his time. What we don't say is that the seed is the reason we are not producing. The word of God shall not be called dead. When we look at our life and don't see a harvest, we must always be looking inward and never outward toward God or his word. Sin will tell us we're perfect and the word is faulty. It's important that you remember this. We conform to God's word, not the other way around. I heard a saying from John Piper that explains the nature of the heart quite well. Piper said, It's hard for a fish to know it's wet. Wet is all there is for a fish. What the saying means is, is the fish doesn't know any different until there is no water. Then suddenly, the fish realizes it had been wet all along and now it's not. I think this saying applies to our world. We live in a world that is constantly re rebelling against God. It's filled with sin. But we don't know we are living in sin until we are removed from that sin. Then suddenly, we realize that what was normal and made us feel normal was sin. Now, we are able to see the contrast and discover we were living in sin all along. So how do we get, how do we get removed from this sin? 
How do we know what kind of soil we are? I go back to what I just said. The soil doesn't know what kind of soil it is without the seed. The seed is the word of God. The word acts as truth in a world where the truth and untruth have become very hard to decipher. Don't believe me? Just go look on Facebook. Without repeated exposure to this truth, we get lost in our own lies. I said at the beginning of the sermon that verse 12 tells us that Jesus spoke in parables so that people on the outside would be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. I would say it's, it's fair to say that Jesus has laid out two groups of people, the insiders and the outsiders. The outsiders are the ones who heard Jesus preach, thought he was talking about a farmer planting seeds, confirmed for themselves that he is, in fact, crazy, and went home, immediately forgetting any significance or life-changing news they were just exposed to. But the insider is the one who hears the preaching of Jesus, believes what he is saying is truth, and allows the gospel to renew their hearts. 2 Corinthians 4.4 says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Notice the lowercase g on God of this age. The God of this age is Satan. Are we believing Satan when he tells us the word of God doesn't apply to us? Do we believe the world when it tells us we are better off without God? Do we believe the words of Jesus to be true of ourselves this morning? Or are we like the outsiders who are never seeing or understanding? We are sinners and we don't know it. Let the truth of the word of God plow up the surface of your heart and create new good soil. The seed requires good soil to produce a plentiful harvest is number one. Topic number two is the soil doesn't know what kind of soil it is without the seed. And my final topic is simple. The seed is generously given. So much so that it reaches beyond the boundaries of the field and onto that hard-packed path. Remember what Jesus said about the seed being the word? Turn to John 1.1, and we discover that the word, capital W, was with God, and the word was God. Now, if we jump 13 verses ahead to verse 14, we see that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Not only is the seed the word, but it is also Jesus Christ, which makes the sower God the Father. Remember I said the sower was not irrelevant in this parable? The sower is God sowing his seed, Jesus Christ, throughout the whole field and in a much larger spectrum, the whole world. Jesus tells his disciples that the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to them in verse 11. Remember that this is the master parable, and this is a parable of the kingdom of God, which means it gives us instructions on how to secure the kingdom of God for eternity. Listen to what I'm about to say. Jesus Christ is the secret to the kingdom of God. Without Jesus, without this seed in our hearts, we will never have the kingdom of God. That's the message of this parable. Through faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes into our life and begins to transform our hearts and minds. The Holy Spirit is a gift from God who is constantly showing us our sin through the word and leading us to repentance every day of our sinful lives. The Holy Spirit is the one who prepares good soil in our heart so that when the seed lands in it, it takes root and grows. 
Luther's small catechism does a great job explaining how the Holy Spirit prepares our hearts for the seed. It says, I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me through the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, and sanctified and preserved me in true faith, just as he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth, and preserves it in union with Jesus Christ as the one true faith, in which Christian church he daily forgives abundantly all my sins and the sins of all believers, and at the last day will raise up me and all the dead, and will grant everlasting life to me and to all who believe in Christ. This is most certainly true. I believe that this parable gives us a glimpse of God as three in one. God is the sower, sowing seed for the whole world, for every sinful heart. God is the Son, Jesus Christ, as the seed and the word of God, saving everyone from their sin. And God is the Holy Spirit, giving us the ability to understand the word of God and preparing good soil in our hearts so that the word can spread and multiply in our own hearts and lives, showing others what a new life in Christ looks like. Church, as you sit here this morning, grasp the reality that we all have hearts that will never produce a harvest by our own will. If left to ourselves, we will let anger and hatred harden our hearts like pavement. We will lack strong roots that keep us from withering away when the heat turns up. We will forfeit our valuable nutrients to the idols of this world and let them choke out the word like weeds. If left alone, we will continue to be dead in our sin. We do not fit into just one of these types. We fit into them all. None of us better off than the other. All of us lacking the good soil needed to make the seed grow. Praise God that the story does not end there. Praise God, this is so great, with uh, Weldy's favorite verse that Mark just shared with us, and this is in my sermon. I didn't plan that at all, but this is just amazing. Praise God that he so loved this world, that he sent his one and only seed, that whoever shall believe in that seed shall not perish, but have an everlasting crop. Praise God that no matter what kind of soil is in your heart this morning, the Holy Spirit can make it into fertile soil. Allow the Holy Spirit to work in your hearts this morning. Allow him to show you the hard parts of your heart. Pray that he plows deeper than ever before to dislodge the rocks we all have. Ask him to reveal to you the weeds in your life so you shall have in you good soil that will receive the seed and bring it to life in you. The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to all of us, and his name is Jesus. He wants a permanent home in your heart this morning. He wants to be planted in good soil and produce in your life a bountiful harvest. Have your eyes opened so you may see your sin. Repent of your hard, rocky, and thorny soil and let the grace and peace of our Lord, Jesus Christ, transform your heart into a glorious harvest. God, we thank you for your seed. We thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your seed to be generously scattered throughout the whole world for all different soil types. We know that without your work in us, we would never be able to come to repentance. Make our hearts into good soil. Thank you for your mercy that comforts us when we realize how sinful and terrible we really are. We pray that you continue to strengthen and transform us into an everlasting life with you. Amen.